Prepare for a piece of lost kaiju media this week as a forgotten Korean classic finally gets its day in the sun. We've got aliens, a giant monster, and a scrappy youth to contend with this week's 1960s blast from the past. This is Kaiju vs. History. Space Monster Wangmagui. Welcome back to Kaiju versus History. This is your runaway bride, Feyre stand-in, Patrick. And joining me is a precocious preteen with a pot to pee in, Miles. <laughs> oh, boy. We're diving right into that, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's our two main characters, uh, minus the titular monster. And, you know, we, we called this Lost Media. This is a, our, our special episode for... Space Monster Wang Magui. We call this lost media because the rights were lost. Basically, the the film was available in Korea. They they've shown prints of it, film prints over you know the last twenty years or so. And, you know, and they've made a an HD computer copy, but the Korean Film Association or Korean Film Institute just didn't want to give the the rights for for this film out for distribution until until last year <laughs> i guess that's when srs cinema finally got the the capability to distribute so not really a lost kaiju film but yeah lost that was, rights that was kind of the 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 weird language that we had been working with ever since you know i had heard that srs had gotten this movie because they they do like to do some of these like lower budget kaiju fairs, and their their releases will probably appear in future episodes. But yeah, I guess this is the first first I, I of theirs that we we will have done. Yeah, because they're doing some of the modern ones too, some of the modern non you know IP related kaiju films. Yeah, I, what, what I was I think when they did the announcement, I I maybe it was their marketing. I was under the impression this was some kind of holy grail, and I guess it was because you could only get it only watch it like at the korean film archives like library computer yes but i maybe i just didn't understand the circumstances because i thought this film had actively been lost and well i i think it might have for for some time you know it didn't get an international release so i don't think there were that many korean copies of the actual film stock Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's really no way to get it outside of the country of Korea. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure at, at that time. Even if you check on like, you know, Wikipedia, it, it, it the language is very interesting because they call it the oldest surviving giant monster film to be made in South Korea. That yes, that verbiage makes me think that, oh, there might have been others. We just don't know about them. Well, we've talked about one on the podcast. Uh, right. Polgasari, which was what the 1980s Polgasari was was based on. That one is actively lost. There's some production stills and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. That was 1962, I believe. So this this is the the first you know surviving kind of lost classic, I guess. And I I would I would say yes, it is a a classic in its own right. Miles. I mean I, I mean for some of the films that have been bandied about with that title, sure. 
<laughs> I, so, I, I, I don't have the resistance because there is some charm to this movie, at least for me. Now, part of it was that sort of that lost the, film gloss that that the got mystique. to it. Yeah, that's yeah, the thing. There, if, that's if it's a, there was a mystique to it. If it was a bad movie, if it was entirely bad, then I don't think there would have been demand for for getting it out. I mean, there is bad in parts, but this was oh, so- there, there is certainly some some badness to be had with this movie but i want i want to save that a little bit for a little bit later but it's so interesting it does things i mean it does feel like a movie from more from the 70s i would say than the 60s showa era and it is a in advance of its time for the story it's telling but also feels like a movie out of the 1950s there's some things that feel very dated and it is in black and white obviously so it does have that oddity to it as well, whereas so many of the movies, you know, after that were in color, were already in color in, in the late 1960s. You know, the, the exceptions being Gamera, of course, and and some others. But oh, even was even Gamera in color by then or were this was it still in black and white by 67? Uh, you know, the Gamera versus Baragon was in color. So this is just the first film that was in in black and white. So I think what's interesting about this is, I mean, we can clearly see the influences worn proudly on its sleeve. You have elements of Kong and Godzilla in here. Mm -hmm. And but with I mean, with with a self-aware flavor that is interesting, you you see multiple times uh, citizens compare the monster to King Kong. Yeah, yeah, they do. And. And that's just the language that they had to work with. You know, Well, you also have this monster carrying this woman for a good chunk of the film uh, with no real intention. Just I gotcha. <laughs> there, yeah. There's no other communique between between monster and and damsel, uh, <laughs> well, un- well, unlike Kong films. <laughs> when, when the the monster's face can't emote like at all, it's very hard. And it can't speak, of course. Yeah, you, it's you, hard you to need convey. The, you, you need the camera to like kind of zoom in and out real quickly on its eyes when it sees the uh, the cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a weird hodgepodge, and it's a movie that I mean, it is clearly made on the cheap, and in a way that I we haven't seen a ton of of this kind of movie since. It's. It's interesting because I feel like it it feels like a nineteen late fifties Japanese science fiction movie, like a, a yeah, Mysterians kind of thing. It is so weird. It's such a weird mix of everything, and you know, real really, the only thing that we have to compare it to is something that we'll we'll talk about, which is another Korean film, Young Gary, at the time, which came out the the same year. But yeah, but before we get into it, we, this is a long preamble because it's such a, a fascinating film and uh this this special episode is going to work like a regular episode we're gonna we're gonna rate and review space monster wang magui even though we've already completed season two of kaiju versus history and you know right. gotten all of our totals and stuff but i feel like we can make a little addendum for this score and it, it's know, not gonna change our top 10 at all i can tell you that much <laughs> no but we're gonna be rating this in the mindset of films sure, that absolutely. came out in 1967 so yeah the, the, this would have taken the place of our Kaiju Loss Media anniversary episode, episode 53. So this came out right after Kappa, the Trifibian monster, and right before King Kong escapes to give you a little 
time boy how uh, you know a concept of when this would have come out in in theaters but yeah before we get to it can I, can I talk about that title, Miles? Yeah. Oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. I've, I'm I'm so out of sorts. Yes, Patrick, tell us what's in a title. We've been pontificating here, but I know I, I just I, because it's got that lost film like sheen to it. <laughs> I, I imagine there's not much, is there? No. The original Korean title is a uh, Ujugo In Wang Magui. I put it into Google Translate. It spit out as Monster King of the Demons. Which like that. really wish it was called that. Yes, the the space monster part is uh, the the first part of that, and Wang Mangui came out to King of the Demons, and that is the really the only title it goes by. Of course, it was released here by SRS Cinemas by as Space Monster Wang Mangui. IMDb has listed Big Monster Wang Mangui as a a alternative title. I'm not sure. Maybe it was like advertised that. <laughs> as that, but yeah, not too much outside of that because, like I said, there was no other releases. This apparently it came last year to Fantasia Film International Film Festival, where it was first shown outside of Korea. Let's see, sixty-five years after it came out. Wow. Yeah, and of course the the Blu-ray that that we watched from SRS Cinemas just. Just came out this year, which is why we're we're doing it about ten years <laughs> late on the podcast in the seventies. But I, I was pretty impressed with the the HD transfer. And it's really nice looking. I mean, I, I've I've got to give it to SRS. I mean they they put in the work to make this thing feel gorgeous. Yes, and the I believe the the owner of of SRS. I written down in my notes here. The, the owner of SRS has a special feature on the Blu-ray talking about access to the rights. And when it finally cleared getting it from the Korean film archive, they sent over, you know, like a compressed file for for the film or like a USB or something. And when he checked it, he was so excited that it was so clear, so crystal clear, this this HD copy. And I have to agree. This is Yeah, it's it's a really, really nice copy. I mean, I can tell they didn't do the work that like a vinegar syndrome or something would do where they actively cleaned it up. Do their own prints, you know? Yes. They they do the scans. Th- that isn't the case here, but I mean the 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 packaging of and this is not necessarily an SRS cinema DVD review, but it kind of is. The the packaging is nice. You yeah, it's easy to access the special features. You just have play and extras yes and did you get through any of the extras there's some fun extras on there i I didn't have a chance to yet i I will say there whoever localized the movie i think leaned a little too much into maybe some colloquialisms from a modern context Mm. especially how they did the ha 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 ha's and the laughter as opposed (laughs) to saying laughter they just did like ha 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 (laughs) and there's also some weird Weird moments. My favorite is, "Hey girl, how you gonna have a wedding when you're such a mess?" <laughs> um, there are there are some weird colloquialisms, but that's that's fine. I, it didn't bother me. I, I do think they did a tremendous job with bringing this movie over here, and and my hats off to them because it it's a really neat moment in kaiju history. I think I think mm-hmm. it's the the lost factor is certainly a big reason why there's interest, but. I think contextually to see like, hey, you know, maybe with a couple extra dollars, we could have had a scene in Korea for for these kind of movies that 
could have rivaled Japan, to be perfectly honest, with yeah. I, I will say I was extremely, and this is gonna sound funny if you watch the movie, but I was extremely impressed with the director's camera skill. Yeah, there I mean, there's 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 a lot to appreciate in the production of of this movie. And that but that the, opening shot of Korea with the the uh, kind of the typhoon coming in and the papers flying everywhere and just mm-hmm, these really mm-hmm. artistic moody shots of of the city is are they just convey this really ominous mood set to some at least at the beginning of the movie they play the crap out of it but this really wonderful musical overture I I was really impressed at the start <laughs> of this movie now you have to get past about five minutes of guys in tinfoil outfits uh to set the stage so <laughs> I was about to say like, they, they d- use their budget well in some places and, and right well like in others th- th- this this ain't like you know robert Rodriguez is like indie school here but there <laughs> there are some there's some really interesting shots i do feel like the the direct the director had this artistic eye that he was at least taking advantage of to make this movie work uh, despite mm-hmm. all of the limitations they were working with, I do think the director just really tried to make something cool. Yeah, yeah and of course, it is directed by Kwon Hyuk Jin. And like like a lot of the cast and crew, unfortunately, not a lot else in the 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 way of, of kaiju films and, and appearances elsewhere. The on, only thing I found on, on the podcast. IMDb for, for Guam was this movie, which well, is a shame I, because... Man, I'm you know, our our records in English are are so incomplete. I'm sure he he did like a ton of other stuff that we're just not privy to not speaking Korean. But yeah, I I agree with you. There's so few Korean monster movies. It is so important that the the history and the heritage of this film be preserved. And we're talking before we started recording how excited we were to get a chance to review this and and to talk about this and maybe bring some of that history to life. And I did find some stuff out in our research. I didn't know about before the, this movie did have for a time, a, a different kind of mystique about it. Some lore that said that at the time, this movie had the most extras ever cast for a film in, in it. And I, I, I don't think I saw them all, but supposedly un, until like the, the eighties, this, this was the, the film with the most extras. It was quoted as having, let's see, 157,000 extras in, in total, which, uh, wow. which w- would have been an actual record, but there was a, a, a German film, um, like a Nazi German film <laughs> with a uh, hundred eighty seven thousand. So, but yeah, it, if even if that like half that number is true, I, I I don't remember ever seeing shots of of thousands of people, hundreds for sure. But I thought that was very interesting. This is yeah. probably one of those I, movies, just like well, like we were talking about King Kong in in the United States, where they said, "Oh, we're making this movie," and then like. Thousands, if not tens of thousands of people showed up to try to be in it, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that, that was pretty fascinating. And there are some interesting scenes of of supernumeraries and people running in the streets and things like that. So I, I guess I can agree that that's uh, I mean, yeah, you, exactly, especially with like when you're using the set pieces, like when we have one of the comedic moments are, are these 
two, I guess, best friends who place a bet on who can stick around longer to prove who is braver. And you see this mass of people run past them. You see the the cops shooting at nothing, but are uh, apparently shooting at the monster and then telling them to, to get out of the way as they're fleeing. So I mean, there are like oh, an yeah. oncoming amount of extras. The the number that is banged about, I don't I don't I, see that at all. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I'd have to go back and start counting. But I thought that was interesting. That that was a piece of of history that was in a, a Guinness book of like film records for many years. That came out in like the 80s. So I'm wondering where that that factoid came from exactly where where that was you know quoted maybe in a a korean paper but you know that's uh, whenever you put something like that out that's that's just marketing that's advertising (laughs) but the fact that this film didn't release outside of korea is is makes it funny can we when we talk about the space monster himself yeah itself for everything that this movie does right then there's the monster and it, there's no there's no way around it. The cinemation is not great. And that monster is but ugly. It looks good in like poster shots every once in a while. But yes, it looks the, like they they burnt the other monster that the actual monster suit to a crisp. And this is what's left over. Yeah. And I, I can see some, like I said, influences. But yeah, you get down to it and. The, the giant teeth and claws and toenails and things are a bit too much for me. But yeah, it's, it's a giant radio controlled alien. And yeah, it, it has a bunch of climbable facets to it, including several orifices on its on its face. Yeah. yeah. So and, and our, like our, our f- main characters initially are a, a major in the Air Force and his bridezilla to be. I say that because apparently this wedding is the only thing in the world that matters. <laughs> yeah. Um, She's like, I which, guess we're going to go through with it, even though Kaiju is attacking we'll, Korea. We'll get to that because, and this is part of, this is certainly not the actress's fault. This is certainly the, on the writing because I, the tone of this movie is hard to track down because at first it seems to be going for like a serious or oh, semi-serious it's, it's monster pre, movie. Pretty deadly serious 1950s feeling you know, and kaiju then, it just, film. then you add your first comedic characters, which are are these two guys having a bet. Whom I'm guessing may have been like known like standups or something because they seemed yeah. to have this bit that like this probably means something to the people who saw it at the time. I thought they were very entertaining. But the as as we're following this drama of like the woman shows up to the venue and is upset that the officiator hasn't come. <laughs> the caterer has fled like. <laughs> Apparently, she doesn't believe that there's a monster coming like like that news has not entered anyone's brain between her and her mom. But they, they are just dead set on this wedding happening. And then what what struck me as odd is the the major calls her and said, I'm going to get special permissions so that I can fly in for the ceremony. <laughs> and then her reaction is to cry as if she was just given bad news. So I don't know if there was something lost in translation there, but she seemed like. Because then the mom immediately goes, oh, he must have run away. Yeah, it, it does, doesn't make a lot of sense. The beginning of the movie from motivations to like, then someone else calls her back seemingly within like a, an hour or so and be like, oh, no, he's got a he, he's in a, a jet plane right now. He's got to go. Oh, yeah, no, the, the that's it. The the Air Force calls her and is like the, the ceremony is delayed because they know who she is because he's on a mission. It's very dangerous. Well, it's like oh, the- good. <laughs> and they end it with a fine safety. Good day. 
And that's when the mom said he must have run away. Yeah, what did, do you not see the giant monster? Out? Well, then they walk outside and get attacked by the giant monster. But yeah, so then we then we get our our comedian friends, and then that that part was very trying to me, Miles. I I understand that this was probably contextually very funny. I, I'm not gonna lie, the sixty when when the bit started, and this is this is a general pacing problem I have with this entire movie. When the bit started, I really liked it. <laughs> I thought it was very funny. I was like, oh, this is great, and then it just kept going. But it's like, like a family guy joke that does this, like it never got back to funny. It's like a and, 10 minute deal. And then they go back and find the one guy's wife and have like a whole comedic interlude with her, too, where he's like, you're so my that, wife that, now. That, not that's OK. So the wife bet. was really funny where she's like, new husband, new husband, protect me. And then he's like, OK, never mind, old husband, you're back. Like that part was funny. But this movie's pacing is really lumbering. I would have shaved 15, 20 minutes off this runtime. And it's, uh, I mean, not a uh, long movie. It's like no, 86 no, no. minutes. You you can tell that there's a lot that could have been cut out. And we're just like, oh, we need to beef this number up. No, and, don't don't beef. Don't beef. Well, I feel like anything with the, the comedic aspects were definitely not cut down. But also, you well, could so, have cut the aliens from the movie like entirely, just about oh, every you scene of them. Cut, cut the alien. Well, you have to the aliens so that, that when the monster inexplicably gets destroyed. Yeah, well, it's like the just like what 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 story bit do they add? Because they never interact with humans in any. No, way. no, no. They're just they're just above above the planet. They're they're like the I thought, from the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, well, I really thought there was going to be some kind of payoff in that, like. Maybe the fighter jet takes out the alien ship or gets captured by <laughs> no, the aliens. They, or... they literally just take their ball and go home. I, I didn't understand that one bit. Well, um, I, my, well my, 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 my thought process is, oh, maybe they'll maybe back with a different monster in another film. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, but, we, we started talking about the Sudmation and we, we got off track again. But I, I wanted to mention okay. that the I didn't like the suit. I did like the monster head in hands you know that the full-sized bits that we get to crawl through yeah we get we get pieces of ear canal and nose nostrils <laughs> we get we get some funky nose hairs that uh are used like vines we get almost every part of the monster because you get to see his back with the the mm-hmm. radio control box it's some there's, of the best parts of the movie. Oh uh, yeah, I feel like there's a giant foot as well as the hands. So yeah, they, the giant foot. The giant foot does not look good though. Oh well, the, the, those toenails are, are pretty bad. Yes, the the cast is 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 all fine. I feel like. Well, but we, we got to talk them, about the we got to talk about the best character well, that saves this movie. One of them stands out though, and that's uh, Sang Chiu Jean as street urchin is what he's listed on IMDb. Well, so in in, in in Wikipedia, he's called Spider. On Wikipedia, really? Yeah, it says, when it tries to crush a young boy named Spider. I don't remember anyone calling him I don't remember the kid's name. He crawls like up. a spider, for sure. This So this kid we first see is basically taking advantage of the monster rampaging and just sitting in some rich dude's house eating all the ice cream and all the junk food playing his records and i mean this kid is living it up and i'm already i'm already in like yeah this kid rules this happens at like the 40 minute mark though it's so far (laughs) into the movie but it does save it because you're like what is this another new character this late in the film (laughs) if they had it's great they had introduced him a little earlier. I think it would have fixed some of the pacing issues. But from that moment on, the second half of the film, I could not 
take my eyes off the screen. No, I was this, this kid rules. He he gets a random kitchen knife. Like, oh, this would be my sword. And I'm thinking, OK, that's never going to come back. <laughs> oh, and it becomes an so integral wrong. part of the movie because he like ruptures the monster's eardrums because he crawls in its ear. Yeah, which, you <laughs> and, know, I, I don't know if that has any effect on like how they beat him in the movie. And they well, he keeps, deaf, he keeps but... he keeps talking about how he deafened the monster. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I guess maybe if it understood Korean, it could have heard his plans. <laughs> but also yeah. and, and this was an all caps text that I sent Patrick because that's when this kid like all of a sudden enhanced. I this is an all text. Uh, all caps says this child just pissed in this monster's head. Yep, just just like uh, to <laughs> establish just, I know what to do, and just takes a whiz in the ah. monster's head. So that's the part of the film that feels like it's from the 70s. It feels like, uh, like it'd be more at home in a Digoro versus Goliath you know, well, I mean, uh, it, it certainly feels like that late Showa era, you know, having a child protagonist. Oh, yeah. But also, like, if the child protagonist was like Shin-Chan. Well, I was about to say, this is a very advanced child protagonist because at this point in Gamera, we've only had the original Gamera, you know, Kenny from, from that film, the American uh, translation. And there really weren't many kids in Godzilla movies. So this is kind of way ahead of its time in, in a lot of ways. You know? I mean, there were those uh, those kids I loved in uh, Viros. Well, that that was the following year. That's 1968. Well, that so was this eight. Is, it was eight, wasn't it? This yeah. is before them, which is insane, right? And oh, this man. this came out the same year as as Young Gary, but that kid, who cares about that kid? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, f that kid. But no, uh, this this oh, Gamer versus Gauss. Spider, Spider Gamer rules. versus Gauss came out from this the same year. So that that had the the kid in that but, as well. That was a but, scout, wasn't it? That that scout kid. Yes, I believe so. Oh. I don't remember if he was a scout, but uh, this yeah. this kid is awesome and never never really has to suffer the consequences of his own actions, which is also wonderful. He, I mean, immediately he becomes like a top ten kaiju human oh, character. a hundred percent. Like he if I'm literally, judging off a protagonist, that kid is ten out of ten. He climbed up a kaiju and went inside of its head to try and slay the monster. <laughs> and also, I mean, just. The living embodiment of the Calvin sticker. Oh yeah, yeah, taking a pee in there as well. <laughs> I and mean, that is. A, yeah. I'm sorry that that is a that is a top ten kaiju moment in kaiju history for me. There's I, some great. I, action. I'm just so taken aback. There's some great adventure in there as well. Like he he gets knocked around and nearly falls out the nostril and has to climb back up the nose hairs. And he also finds the remote control that the aliens were using on him yeah, and just takes it. it apart willy nilly and then swings around and the monster finally like catches him and, and puts him in a hand that they keep switching. <laughs> yeah, they keep moving the, the monster. Because the monster is using both of his hands and... frequently, but I'm like, then they'll, sh- they'll, 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 they'll like cut back to the bride in the hand as if it were a King Kong movie. I'm like, um, how is she there? It's it's so funny when uh, <laughs> the kid meets the bride is like, hey, what are madam, you doing? Madam! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so let's let's talk about this movie a little bit more in comparison to some other films. But uh, we, we already talked about Gamera and Gamera versus Gauss in the commentary track for the film Young Gary, Kaiju historian Stephen Rifle, which you know, of course, we know from the amazing biography of Cher Honda. 
as well as film critic Kim Sung-ho, talked about some legal ramifications that happened between this film and Young Gary's uh, Kyuk Dong Entertainment. Apparently, the Young Gary production team tried to sue this movie over the, the 1967 release because they said it was the same concept as Young Gary Monster from the well, Deep. That's, and, the, that's the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> I mean, exactly. <laughs> for a, a Godzilla knockoff to, uh, I mean, it, boy, howdy, would I have loved if the kid and young Gary climbed inside <laughs> of that monster's head. But these movies are so different. It, mm-hmm. <laughs> and this one is a lot more enjoyable, I would say, than, than young Gary. But I, I found that very interesting. And maybe that's one of the reasons that this movie did not move forward with trying to get an international release. You know, that's speculation, of course, but maybe it's one of the reasons this this hasn't seen a lot of play outside of Korea. And Yang Gary has, because it, it came out before this movie. Or no, it came out, I think, maybe technically after, but like the same month, September 1967. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I I love the street urchin kid. I think he is one of the best kids of the Showa era by far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, this is top a, a top five kaiju kid, if not maybe number one. There are there are a lot of kaiju kids that I do love who are actual amazing characters and fully fleshed out. But just just on pure spectacle, this kid rules. <laughs> What's what's your favorite scene, Miles, in the film? I mean, I think by all text, all, all caps okay. text to you is probably I anything mean, because, with the street urchin. Yeah, anything with the street urchin, because there's a lot of stuff that is not great. That's easy to pick out. Like when he when young when not younger, when um Juan Magui uh, causes that like rock slide or whatever. And you hear that mm. weird overdubbing of like some pebbles falling on top <laughs> of the rumbling. Like some of the sound design in this movie is really strange yeah, and it seemed doesn't like a, help. Not a priority when they finish the film, perhaps. But I, I mean, like I said, I love the opening. Sh- like my, as far, my favorite scene in this movie, it's not me laughing at that kid is the <laughs> opening shots of the city. I think it's gorgeously shot. It does a really good, like, if this were a serious, like, capital S, serious kaiju film, like, that opening shot, like, in a different movie could have been a Gojira-like. I think it's, I think it's beautiful. I think mm-hmm. it, it really tries to set a ominous mood for a movie that goes in a very different direction. <laughs> but, it becomes a comedy very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that's, that, the tragedy of this movie really, outside of the... The bonkers script, which could be a problem with localization. We don't know. I mean, is is how bad that monster looks. I'm watching it as well as listening to it. But yeah, we're reading the the text. The the, the script is rough. (laughs) What what about you? Did you have a favorite scene? Like I said, the first half of the movie is pretty uninspiring as far as like seeing something new in a kaiju film. And you get to this this should have been a tight 60 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, well, it feels like kind of an episode of uh, an Ultra Q in a lot of ways. But you, it you, sit, does. you sit through that Abbott and Costello routine with the two guys. It drags on. Then we finally get the street urchin and every scene of his is great and really should have been in the movie a lot more. That that should have been the movie. But my favorite scene, obviously, is the one where the grown man takes a dump in the emergency shelter and then falls backwards into his own duty. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't care. When or where or who, but it's always funny when when you fall into some poo, Miles. 
I mean, yeah, absolutely. That that's the kind of comedy that they're they're going for in this film, and I, th- I feel like kids will really enjoy this when when it came out. You know, a hundred percent. I I I can see kids having a hoot and a holler, especially at the time. And I mean, honestly, the, all the scenes with that kid would still work, and they still work for me today. So yes. I I I I definitely could see that working. Um, I don't really have any context for how well this movie did. I mean, certainly yeah, well enough no. that they wanted to preserve it, but but not well enough to to release internationally. Yeah, it, it's hard. I feel like this does feel like a pretty great hidden gem from from the era, even though so much of the script didn't work and it feels very slapdash. But yeah, thanks to SRS, you know, we got a, at least a chance to talk about this, a chance to to rate this uh let's get into the rating miles what what did you score this guy for your personal enjoyment so for my personal enjoyment i was originally gonna go kind of fairly middle of the road and then and then that kid appeared (laughs) and yeah whizzed in that monster's head and i was like oh oh we're watching art okay (laughs) no it, it did it did bump it up a full other point because when we talk about movies that are maybe enjoyably bad or enjoyably rough this is certainly in that category because the way things don't work are done in a way that like, because it's earnest, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm having fun pointing this out, but I'm still going to follow this movie. It's not like a Queen Kong situation where it's like this. All this is terrible. I want to gouge my eyes out. I never want to see this thing again. Yeah, I, di- I didn't want my time back after watching this. I was fine. No, I mean, look, the monster here does suck, but... It's it's not necessarily the suit actor's fault. It's the suit itself. I would have liked to have seen mm-hmm. someone well, in a better suit. Not that the, the suit actor does anything that interesting. Yeah, but he wasn't he, asked to. He doesn't really get a lot of chances to. And part of it is probably because he's wearing 200 pounds of, of rubber suit. <laughs> you know, what, what what is your your final score here? Um, So I'm going to go with a six out of ten. I think this. Okay with the right group is a very entertaining movie. It's doesn't make it a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would actually, there is a recent review that kind of nails it. Although their score is a lot lower than mine. When this appeared at Fantasia international film festival, while not a good film space monster, Wagmagui has moments of weird delight. It may, it, it's appeal may be elusive for most, but I'm glad it's getting its moment in the sun. And that's very much how I feel about this movie. Yeah. It's got some weird moments of delight that really, like if you're, you talk about a movie that needs an MST3K attached to it. Oh, this is that kind gracious. of conversation movie where like, if you're with some people and some drinks, this movie is a hoot and a holler. And I would imagine if there's some conversation being had, that 80, 83 minutes might not feel so long. No. Yeah. I I, I feel like definitely if you're, you're riffing on it, it it's going to be a great time. Like I said, I you know we both came into this with no plot description, no idea with what to expect, and and that's that's a rarity for for us. You know, not not even having gotten to see you know much more than some production stills, but it started pretty dull, and that first half of the movie does kind of blow the score down a little bit. But like I said, after the kid comes in. After the monsters start attacking, actually, it, it is so visually interesting and weird. It is hard not to to enjoy. I, I feel like this is a good mix of that pot of humor that I didn't mm-hmm. I did like from Daigoro versus Goliath, as well as some of the 
strangeness of the X from outer space. So it feels, you know, right between that, those movies in the late sixties, early seventies, but yeah, I can't, I can't rate it much higher than them. Cause I think I like those two movies more. So I, I'm giving this a seven out of 10, which is wow. very good, you know, as opposed to a, a six out of 10, which is good on our scale for the technical. I am digging this a few more points. It is hard to gauge this because the film itself looks great. There's a couple of like cigarette kind of burns and glitches mm-hmm. in, in the, the visuals, but the film itself is like probably one of the best HD scans from that era outside of Toho and, and what have you. Yeah. But so many of the interesting ideas that we do get in the script don't really t- come to fruition. They don't come together. The actors are are good, but they're not given a lot to do together. Yeah, but just about every great thing that this film does, like hilarious or interesting or weird, is canceled out by something that is very amateurish and does feel of the 1950s. So that being said, still amazing to see this after being unavailable for so long. Great Blu-ray, definitely worth it to to own on Blu-ray and check out for yourself. So for the technical, I'm giving this a five out of ten. Some some mixed elements here for for the technical aspect what about you miles you said five out of ten i said five good sir that's kind of where i'm at i it's hard to judge i don't know if this is on srs i don't know if it's on the original script the script is all over the place in a way that almost does it almost derails this movie entirely Mm. and because because of that hit and because of the some of the great narrative choices that, that, that they do make it makes this a a weird thrill ride rather than a complete slog. And I feel like the suit is very bad. The The attempts to utilize scope and stuff are pretty good, but some of the sets for me just don't really work. The sound design is really rough. Honestly, I hate to do it, but I'm actually going to knock it a little bit lower. I, oh. I think I'm going four out of five, four out of ten, because I, I just... I think that so much of the technical stuff about this movie doesn't work. It's what mm. really drags this movie down. Oh, yes. And uh, we, we did talk too much about the miniatures in, in the film. A lot of the buildings and, and reconstructions of actual places in, in Korea are competent. You know, they're 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 competent, but they, then production then the companies tries to knock it down. You're like, uh, that, oh, that yeah. felt like nothing. <laughs> yeah. Four out of ten for you. What about your evocative score? Where is this? That stand? one's tough. As I mean, a, as a I movie that we were unable to watch on this corner of the world for 60 something years, it's it's tough to really gauge its cultural standing. I mean, you know, it's having a little bit more of a moment now. It's hitting some festivals, but I would still say it's probably light. It doesn't really evoke a lot for me in, in the the history of Kaiju. It's certainly a good ripoff movie and mm-hmm. there's some fun to be had, but I'm probably going middle of the road and just saying a five out of 10 for this one because there's not a lot there. I don't think it's it falls into the negative aspect that notoriety of being a, a lost film in the West is definitely a uh, I, I think helps. And I'm hoping SRS can capitalize on that and get more eyeballs on this movie because I think people should see it. This is exactly what I was talking yes. about when we were talking about covering media like this. I and they do a good job. It's a good Blu-ray. It's a really solid. Oh, release. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, even if they they showed a, a print of this, I would be pretty pretty impressed with the 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 quality of the film. But I'm right with you with a five out of ten. That that on our scale for the podcast, 
is moderately insightful as a piece of kaiju art. I feel like this is a great little time capsule back into 1960s Korea, but also into the kaiju boom, why these movies exploded in popularity and why people were were cashing in for them. It's got the child protagonist. It's got the the zaniness, the adult comedic actors like we we had in other Toho and, and, and kaiju films. And yeah, some some planned characters that felt like they're right out of the 1950s sci-fi scene. So yeah, a five out of ten for for you and I. That means for for my final score, this is an average of five point six, and yours is a, a straight five. Yeah, and I'm, I'm honestly fine with that score. My my personal score, notwithstanding, I think that this does deserve to be right there at five because this movie yeah. the technical limitations of this movie are i think overshadow everything that makes it fun i think it's perfect a perfectly good spot for people to be like okay so this isn't in the same company as some of our better showa era gamera godzilla movies or mm-hmm. even the king kong remake but i definitely think people should see it i think in the right setting i just i i'm i'm super super glad that we got to watch this movie yes finally <laughs> we, when they announced this almost a year ago i was so excited i was like well this is why this podcast exists in the format that it does to to look at these movies in this historical context and yeah just cracking open this time capsule from from so long ago has been been a lot of fun that makes our, our podcast final score a five out of ten for our space monster Mangwagui. and yeah i feel i feel like it's deserved good time check it out miles agrees where where can folks reach us miles if they do end up buying this blu-ray and uh, and want to talk to someone about the film someone else that's seen it i mean you can reach to us on twitter at kaiju versus history you can Email us at kaijuversushistory at gmail.com. You can hit up our letterbox, Kaiju versus History, or go to our website, kaijuversushistory.com. Uh, join the Cosmic Crit Discord. There is a Kaiju versus History channel. And a lot of times it's just mostly me posting cool links by myself. And every every now and then Patrick's like, that's cool. I'll buy that. We've had a couple of Tokusatsu there. friends hop in and we have some some like Ultraman and, and Kamen Rider conversations, but uh We'd love to talk some some giant monster movies with some folks. Yeah, we we always like getting people's feedback on episodes. So, yeah, if you want to email or talk to us on Twitter, we enjoy that. Thank Thanks, Miles, for 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 watching this with me. And thanks everyone out there that does support SRS Cinema and hopefully makes it so they reach out and find other films like this to bring back from the past. We're back to our regularly scheduled season three episodes uh next week for for the podcast and that is going to take us to 1976's hong kong ape kaiju feature uh we're going to catch you next time as we enjoy history versus the mighty peking man <laughs> <laughs>